Talk to any state, local, federal, academic, financial, industry, you name it, technology executive, and they'll all tell you the same thing. Cybersecurity is the most important issue facing technologists today. And it's no different in the state and local arena. Every industry conference, every publication, and every topic has a cybersecurity component. Like so many of the areas we've addressed on priorities thus far, and perhaps even more so, cybersecurity runs through everything state and local IT officials are thinking about. The, th the three biggest priorities we've got coming up this year is to optimize the environment. Well, right now our top three priorities are cybersecurity, cybersecurity, and cybersecurity. I've been meeting with all of our customers, just kind of understanding what their priorities are. You're listening to Priorities, a show where State Scoop and State Information Technology leaders take you through the main focuses of the state IT community. Today, on our fifth episode, we'll be talking about cybersecurity, from the basics of how to secure your state's IT systems to some of the more advanced capabilities that we should be looking at on the horizon. As we've come now to say several times on this show, there's no single solution or idea that works for all states. Instead, each state has to chart their own cybersecurity course. However, with something like cybersecurity, you can always learn more about how to tackle the issues at hand. Today on our program, we have three outstanding state IT thought leaders who have vast experience running and advising on cybersecurity operations in state governments. Joining us today, we have Danielle Alvarez as the Chief Information Security Officer for the state of Florida. Danielle, so happy to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jake. We're also joined today by Mike Watson. He's the Chief Information Security Officer within Virginia's Information Technologies Agency. It's called VITA. Mike, pleasure to have you on Priorities today. Oh, and thank you as well for having me. And finally, joining us in the Scoop News Group studios today, we have Jackie Wynn, the Vice President for Global Public Sector Strategy at RSA. Jackie, we're so happy to have you on the show and here with us today. And I'm very excited to be here in wonderful, sunny Washington, D.C., so thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and, and we're happy that it's sunny. We're very excited about that. <laughs> uh, I also want to take a minute to thank the good folks at RSA for sponsoring today's episode of Priorities. And with that, let's get started. Danielle, I want to start with you. Tell us a little bit about your operation in Florida and maybe one or two key items that are the most important parts of your cybersecurity strategy. Absolutely, Jake. Well, AST, the Agency for State Technology in Florida, is responsible for security oversight for our executive branch agencies. And we are keenly focused on adopting an extensible risk-based framework and populating it so that all the state agencies can become more security-centered um, and focused in the upcoming years. And we're also going to focus on situational awareness and enhancing that and improving our cyber response capabilities across all executive branch agencies. That's a great answer. Mike, are you, I mean, are you seeing the same things uh, that Danielle is talking about, some of the same stuff she's doing? Are you guys doing the same things in Virginia? Tell us a little bit about your operation and maybe one or two key items that you see as important parts of your strategy. Sure. So uh, Virginia's got a, a very similar version of um, uh, an agency that oversees IT. Ours is the Virginia Information Technologies Agency, or VITA, as we lovingly call it. We uh, support, we have actually two roles in the, in the cybersecurity area within VITA. We have our operations role where we do our um, security oversight and security management of uh, in a more technical arena for about the, all the executive branch agencies. There are about 70 to 80 executive branch agencies. And then we have our, our governance uh, that we maintain over all the agencies uh, in all three branches. So we actually publish security standards and security control requirements uh, for all of the uh, three branches. It's a little bit unique. There's not many states that have that uh, set up. So our operations footprint is about uh, 60,000 uh, different endpoints in between three and 4,000 servers, about a petabyte and a half of data, um, and uh, uh, network connections that, that go throughout every uh, county within the state. So we have a, a pretty large footprint uh, that we're dealing with in, in a, a pretty uh, robust setup for our, our infrastructure. Um, so it's been 
it's been working pretty well for us, and hopefully uh, we'll continue to do so. Yeah, hopefully, and that's that's crazy. The, the <laughs> statistics on uh, on endpoints there—it's a lot of stuff. So yes. let's go to Jackie. You know, Jackie, as a senior executive for Global Public Sector Strategy at RSA, you know, you've got a much larger view of the situation. Can you tell us broadly what you're seeing, maybe as the top two priority items when it comes to cyber uh, for states nationwide? Yeah, thanks, Jank and Daniel and Mike. You know, I think they've raised some critical points that really point towards two fundamental issues from my perspective, where I think we're failing. Um, I don't think there's a magic bullet or tool, as you stated, but because I do believe security is a, is a team sport. But I think we need to ensure that IT security teams have a pervasive network visibility, not just from the endpoint, but also from the endpoint to the cloud. And helping um, these IT teams maximize the preventive power of perimeter tools. And I think we have to come to terms with the fact that in many respects, we have as a community failed to effectively prevent or even reduce the impact of breaches. Um, by and large, I think this is a failure that to do to a continued focus solely just on preventative approaches. And like all castles we've built in history, they're ultimately always breached. <laughs> but uh, again, focusing entirely on a preventative perimeter strategy leaves us very vulnerable. And so many investments that have been made have not been integrated into the broader security mission. So that's one issue I see. The other one is just the people you know, problem. In the security industry, we talk about three keys to success around people, process, and technology. And the people issue, I think, is the top priority. I was just attending you know, NASTD in Saratoga Springs, and they, they had a term that I'd like to use here called the silver you know, tsunami. So you know, as uh, this is becoming a huge problem as people become more eligible to retire. And so you know, we've got to continue to attract and retain smart, empowered, and motivated people. And finding ways to do that and to ensure that our IT workforce is uh, leading that in terms of various tools and various opportunities around different network strategies, I think is very important as well. Those are a lot of a lot of great points there, Jackie. Uh, you know, especially the you know the idea of, of you know it's, it's, it goes beyond just securing the perimeter. I think that's I think that's really fascinating. You know, kind of following on that note, Mike, where are your biggest threats coming from recently? You know, who or what is presenting you know that really that major threat for for you and other states to watch and protect yourselves against? So it's 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 like anything else as far as uh, cybersecurity goes, it changes every second, every time you turn around, which, which you know, makes your job interesting and challenging at the same time. So we're, we see uh, a lot of different things coming in, everything from what we know is going to happen to uh, new things that kind of, you know, I don't want to say catch us completely off guard or anything, but catch us a little bit by surprise and we react to and respond accordingly. You know, we've got our, our typical things. We have uh, seasonal threats that actually happen that we're prepared for. So we know every April, for whatever reason, and we, we aren't really sure why, we tend to get an uptick in phishing uh, you know, types of campaigns that are against us. And uh, those, as everyone is, as most people are aware, uh, are, continue to be very effective campaigns. So we try to take the time in the spring to make sure that all of our end users are aware and, and aren't uh, fooled into clicking on whatever links are sent out. We also know that it is uh, getting close to election time. We are very uh, tuned into some of the activity associated with that. And uh, we are fully anticipating a uh, um, an interesting turnout as far as uh, the presidential election goes, and we're watching our, ourselves very closely to see if there's uh, anything, uh, any activity that's associated with that in our, our local electoral uh, areas. Um, and of course, you know, the ransomware is another big thing that we've been seeing a lot recently. There's been, um, uh, we're keeping a very close eye on it. We haven't had any significant impacts into our environment uh, yet, but that obviously could change at any moment. Uh, we do try to make sure that uh, we're taking the right, uh, uh, have the right controls in place, place and taking the right 
um, steps to make sure our environment remains protected. But those are kind of, you know, three things that we're, we're watching pretty closely. And like I said, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll change tomorrow. Uh, but that's what we've, we've got our eye on for now. That's fascinating, Mike. I mean, we're seeing a lot of those those same items, you know, across the country as we as we cover cybersecurity issues, you know, with StateScoop. Uh, Danielle, I mean, what are you seeing from that perspective in Florida? I mean, same same threats or maybe some different ideas? We're seeing a lot of the same threats, kind of to mimic what Jackie said. Um, also, is the changing perimeter is a significant threat because it's no longer within our four walls where we've heavily relied on those perimeter-based technologies. Now with the perimeter changing and, and growing out into the cloud, um, it, it's changing the way we have to look at security. It's changing the tool set. It's changing the training needs for the cyber operators that are responsible for managing those new tool sets. So that's a, a significant threat to us, as well as the more sophisticated um, targeted cyber attacks. You know, um, normally, um, historically, I should say, the phishing attacks were kind of easy to detect and then lift out. They're getting much more sophisticated. They're getting better in their appearance. They're getting better in their syntax. And um, they're getting um, basically targeted to individuals that have unique roles. And so that, that threat's changing. And staying ahead of the changing perimeter and the advanced attackers and their, their um, techniques is becoming a huge issue for, for Florida. And we also um, are experiencing ransomware effects. And again, we, we've been able to manage with our tactics and our uh, layered controls and, and the frameworks that we have in place, but, but it is of concern. And as new attacks evolve and emerge, we're having to change our mechanisms to, to stay ahead of those. So it's a challenge on several fronts. Yeah, that's that's really fascinating. I mean, you know, again, to hear the the similarities between the two states here on the on, on the podcast, as well as you know some of the differences in, in perspectives, is is really fascinating. And you know, again. Back to, to broadening those perspectives, Jackie. I mean, you know, you mentioned a lot of things in your opening remarks here uh, that that you guys are seeing. But but you know, if you had to pick who or what is the most pressing threat for states right now, what what would you say? You know, I think Danielle had some great points, and I do agree that you know today we're facing you know very motivated, um, agile, you know, threat actors that are you know well funded um, adversaries that that want to cause significant harm and. Um, I think the one key priority I would say is just driving what I would call operationally relevant cyber governance. Um, and I think that today what I've seen is, you know, what we've seen is that there's a disconnect between cyber policies and operational ex execution. And, um, you know, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security announced, I think, two weeks ago that 96% of breaches could be mitigated by this type of cyber hygiene. So we do need to ensure that our organization's day-to-day -day execution can in fact operationalize the cyber policies and goals that are established. Um, as states, um, there's limited dollars to provide security. The response to the threat our, our adversaries present is our ability, I think, to measure, assess, and mitigate this cybersecurity risk. But for us, it's with these limited dollars, you know, where are your biggest gaps? You know, how do you know? So I think it's very important that we bring this cyber hygiene into our organization, um, our supply chains, our business agreements, and even our, you know, 
third-party contractual areas. You know, kind of on that note, you know, let's dive into the technology a little bit here. I mean, we hear a lot in this space about firewalls, about continuous diagnostics and mitigation, advanced cyber analytics. You know, the most recent NASIO, um, you know, case study there was about advanced cyber analytics, and, and even more, you know, stuff in addition to all of that. What are some of the key pieces of technology that you're seeing, you know, take an increasingly prominent role across the industry, Jackie? I would say clearly um, leveraging um, uh, the security analytics, I think, is um, important. But I also think that um, when I think about, you know, what's out there on the horizon, I think it's, um, you know, our lack of preparedness for innovation. Um, you know, with the OPM breach, I think everyone saw it was, you know, recently publicized that, um these threat actors may have added data. They could have created fake people with top-tier security clearances. Um, this was the first time a cyber attack went beyond vandalism or theft. So in this new digital age, it's like, what is the source file? Right? Everybody's talking about collecting data. Um, so again, to Danielle and you know, my colleague from the um, state of Virginia, I think IoT is a key vulnerability in this expanding attack service. Um, and so you know, this whole thing with driverless cars, you know, there's drones states are facing as well, different industrial controls, everything in this so-called Internet of Things. Yeah, that's, that's a fascinating perspective. And as we see IoT you know, really um, expand and, and you know, become a larger force of, of you know, action at, at the state and local level, uh, you know, I, think, I think you're right, Jackie. I think we're definitely going to see a lot more of that. Um, so, Danielle, I mean, what about you? What, what technologies are you guys using on a daily basis to monitor and to try to catch bad actors? We're working on improving our visibility. And so what's key to that is us being able to blend multiple data sources. And to Jackie's point, IoT, all of these Internet-connected devices and peripherals are creating data. And so how are we able to visually see that data and understand the context around that data and then react to it? Um, Jackie made a good point about um, our um, you know, proactive you know, way of approaching things, and, and now we're leaning towards more of a reactive state where you know, logically that seems a little off-kilter, but when you think about it, if we get an alert to something because we blended these multiple data sources and our context is different and then we can take a reactive response to it, we can stop it. And so it becomes focusing on how quick our reaction is. And, and you know, uh, Jackie kind of leaned toward, you know, where we're going and, and eventually, you know, having um, that visibility enriched with behavioral detection and, and, see, and looking at what is normal and what is not can put us, you know, even to a, a better state going forward whenever we start talking about predictive analytics where we can see the tide of something coming so we can see what's going to happen or what we predict will happen and then taking action to harden our defenses as a result of that. Yeah, great points there on, on predictive analytics especially. I think that's definitely, you know, a, a, a practice that, that states can, can use and, and will increasingly use to see what, what's, gonna, what's coming on the horizon. Uh, so same question to you, Mike. I mean, what tech are you using in Virginia to, to bolster your cybersecurity posture? Of, of course, we'll use anything and everything uh, that will, that will uh, help us out. Um, we, we do have a, a large suite of tools um, that we uh, have implemented, uh, some RSA stuff, some you know, Intel and, and others. Uh, but what, we're, what we have tried to set up our posture and set up our tools around is that combination of, of um, trying to set ourselves up to be able to detect and respond and contain any type of breach. We know that we can't take the posture of um, not – uh, of thinking that nothing is ever going to get through. Um, so instead, we try to make sure that whatever it is that gets through will be contained immediately and we'll be able to 
uh, prevent it from becoming a major problem. Um, the, and uh, the, in, the, in the age of Internet of Things, uh, all of the different types of uh, devices and things that are out there that are, are getting integrated into our, our, our sort of day-to-day lives are making this a little bit more challenging. We've been focused very much on, okay, how are we going to standardize our, our mechanisms to collect all of this stuff so we can do the large data analysis on all of the information that's coming in. Um, we have, uh, you know, when you think about it nowadays, right, if you build a new building, you know what all types of, what types of uh, home automation things are available. You can imagine when you scale that into business or into a hospital, uh, which in, this, in Virginia we have many different hospitals and things that we run, uh, there's, there are a lot of opportunities for connecting technology into you know, the basics of, of functioning as a business or um, in, as, as, a, uh, as a hospital or, or whatever else it is that we need to get done. And because of that, uh, it makes our, our technology footprint a lot more challenging, right? We're no longer just worried about the computers. We're worried about all the things that have a, uh, a chip in them that can, you know, take any type of uh, basic computing type action. Um, so we've been uh, working really hard to try to uh, identify those uh, data sources and make sure we're collecting them across the board and try to, you know, like I said, put ourselves in a position and as, as both uh, uh, Jackie and Danielle had said, you know, do some predictive analytics, identify where there are odd behavior, where there's odd behavior happening. Um, so, I'm, you know, we'll probably need some more uh, mathematicians to help us with that at some point. <laughs> but uh, for right now, we're, we've been relying on a lot of the great tools that are out there. Absolutely. And, and you kind of alluded to, you know, an issue that unfortunately we don't have the time to address here today, and that is, the, you know, the workforce crunch that we're seeing in, uh, in cybersecurity. So, I mean, we could do an entirely different podcast. In fact, we will uh, on that very issue. Um, so, you know, my last question for all of you today is, is, is all about looking forward. Uh, you know, what, what's emerging? on the horizon that you and, and your states are concerned about uh, when it comes to cyber? And so we'll start with you, Danielle. Definitely building in the capability to support the predictive analytics. Um, you know, it's definitely a resource constraint right now. Um, last I heard, um, cybersecurity professionals, it was an upside-down uh, workforce, but basically I think there were 12 million jobs um, Available and I guess maybe only four million to to cybersecurity professionals to fill them, and that that number has changed so much from the beginning of the year. I've heard three or four different numbers, and it's growing. So we're going to have to figure out how to supplement our workforce, but then train them in these new technologies. So in order for us to be able to get ahead of the curve and use those technologies, that is the trend with how do we actually sustain our workforce to be able to, to affect those strategies. So what about you, Mike? I mean, what are you guys seeing uh, at Vita on the horizon for cybersecurity threats? Oh, man. Uh, it can be just about anything. I mean, we, we uh, of course, are, are feeling the same um, uh, worker shortages, I think, everybody else is. And we always, you know, reference the uh, negative unemployment number. And then, of course, I, you know, there's been a couple of different studies that Virginia has the, a lot of the um, numbers for cybersecurity folks that are out here and a lot of the jobs that are hiring for them. And, of course, uh, that makes it tough for anybody that's um, – uh, I mean, we have a better supply, but it still makes it tough uh, to compete, of course. So uh, that's obviously one thing that we're just as concerned about as I think everybody else is. Um, we're also, uh, you know, as far as threats and stuff go, we've been paying closer attention to – um, you know, some of the, the business model approach that we've seen the, to some of the cyber hacking groups that have been out there um, as, and I think uh, somebody referenced it before, as the, uh, the, the business model gets better and better and these guys get better and better at their approaches and uh, monetize things more effectively, 
um, their you know, attacks are going to be a little bit more sophisticated or a little bit more um, automated and uh, have a better penetration into the environments. Um, and unfortunately, we still don't have a really good, uh, and everybody says there's no silver bullet, but we don't really have a, a good set of controls that will, you know, prevent that initial uh, type of, um, you know, uh, entrance into the environment. So I'm, I'm hoping that at some point we'll, we'll get a little further down, but I, I don't see any end to the, the ransomware style or other business, you know, uh, of, of hacking. The hacktivism stuff is, is also something to keep an eye on. I think that it's um, probably a little bit more well-known now, and, I, you know, it's, it's just a, a matter of who has a particular agenda that they, they want to make sure to advance, and that can be anybody nowadays. So uh, that also I don't think is going to get, you know, go away anytime soon. And then, of course, the one area that I think is probably least known is that terrorism and cyber espionage uh, piece of it. I think, you know, we've seen some of the overseas effects of uh, both of those types of actions, but I don't know that we truly have a good grasp yet of exactly what that means uh, to the, you know, the citizen uh, in the U.S. Uh, or how that would end up impacting them if somebody decided to take some sort of cyber terrorism or, or um, type of uh, uh, cyber espionage approach. And, you know, the cyber espionage stuff is, is all sorts of interesting, right? It's like reading a good spy novel. Uh, but there's uh, obviously a lot of that stuff is still not quite clear as to what uh, the outcomes of, of those uh, types of actions are going to be yet. So I think there's obviously more to come, uh, but those are, those three areas are things that we're paying most attention to and trying to just make sure that we're, we're uh, setting our, our information security program up uh, to disrupt in those areas as much as possible. Wow, that was great, Mike. Thank you so much for, for all of that. I, you know, I, I think it's interesting as I've been listening to you, know, you guys talk about these issues, I, I keep thinking about how every single one of them uh, could make for a, a, another podcast, another story, and, and just go off on a billion different tangents. Uh, so really fascinating stuff. You know, Jackie, uh, you're, you're going to get the last word here. Uh, what are those growing threats on the horizon that states should be super concerned about going forward? Two things I would say, and I think uh, both Danielle and Mike have done a great job, right, in um, raising and pointing out some um, critical areas. The only ones that I would just add to is um, just around people. I think um, education is very, very important as we move forward. You know, both internal training um, is, is going to be critical. Um, you know, 80% of these breaches come through, you know, email phishing as an example. So making sure, you know, our employees, and this, you know, this is not just state employees, but even the governor, I mean, everyone should be um, sensitized to, you know, different types of uh, training um, exercises, as an example. Um, I think Danielle's the one that pointed out that, you know, the attack service, right, our perimeter is basically um, dissolving, right? So, um, and I talked about the whole Internet of Things, and that's another area, too, that I think is the ability to um, prevent them. You know, we become very susceptible when we have all these things connected to the, to the, uh, to the inter Internet. So, you know, that means whether it's your front door, your car, you know, a plane in flight, a police drone, a power plant, I mean, you name it, you know, this whole... Um, IOT, I think the vulnerability has um, is increasing. All right, I mean that that's fascinating stuff, guys. Again, we could go on all day about this, but um, but but thank you all so much for being on Priorities today. It's been an honor to have you. 
much. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, thank you. So thanks again to Florida Sizzo, Danielle Alvarez, Virginia Sizzo, Mike Watson, and RSA's Jackie Wynn for being on today's show. Uh, episodes of Priorities are posted monthly, so be sure to check back on statescoop.com for more, in addition to all the latest news and events in state and local government information technology. Uh, I'm your host, Jake Williams, Statescoop's Manager of Strategic Initiatives. This episode of Priorities on Statescoop Radio was brought to you by RSA. And as always, thank you for listening.